Warning, the following podcast contains violent scenes that may be unsettling to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, and welcome back to Twin Cities by Night and our third story arc, Dread. Dread is set in the Twin Cities of Minnesota, Minneapolis, and St. Paul in the hot and humid summer of 2011. Join us again and continue to follow the journey of Katow, played by Quinn, and William, played by Slavic, as they continue to traverse the dark society held within the Twin Cities. They will be joined by three new kindred, Warren, a Tremere, played by Adam, Valentine, a Nosferatu, played by Alex, and Lenny, a Nosferatu, played by Andrew. The Quarterly will find themselves joined together by a sense of dread. If you would like to contact us, you can follow us on Twitter at twin underscore cities underscore VTM or Facebook at Twin Cities by Night. We hope you enjoy. So, Katow, he's like, call your people. Have them meet us here. Let's get All this right. done. Yeah. First thing I'll do is call up William. So William, you had just got done reading that letter. As you put that letter back down on the table, you hear a ringing sound and you look and you see that on an end table next to the couch is your phone and you see it vibrating and lightening up and you see the letter K to represent Katow's. Uh, William will slowly walk towards the phone and pick it up. Good evening, Katow. William, you know what the talk we had last night about how things are getting unstable? Yes. Well, I think the tipping point's almost here. Uh, so soon. Yeah. So listen, there's this place, the the Native American Museum over here. Uh, I want you and the I want you to come meet me here. There we uh, I know where the I know where uh, Carlos and Carlos and Cindy are. Interesting. I'll be there. Yeah. See can. you later then. All right. I think I get. He's gonna try and call uh, Warren. Warren, you just left the chantry, and you're driving in the car. You have your bags packed that Jenna helped you in a frenzy pack up, and you are still almost riding high from the experience of what had happened earlier. And you look through the rearview mirror while you're driving, and you see nothing, and you continue to drive. What is going on in your mind at the moment? Mostly Warren's head is... He's in shock. He's just going through the motions, sort of on autopilot, not entirely sure how to deal with the situation. Yeah, has he has he yet processed like the visions that he had when he when he took her life like that, or is it still like you said, just kind of in shock at the moment? Well, he's going to need a lot more time to process everything. That was a I, lot at once for him, especially def- after years of torment. Me as a storyteller has to realize I can't bombard your characters with all this stuff and then be like, "How do you process it right now?" Because that's not very realistic. It, realistic of me to ask that, but. While you're driving, you look at through the rearview mirror again and you see a figure in the back seat. And there's a moment where you lock eyes with this figure, and it is a young girl, probably about 15 years old, has long brown hair parted down the middle. And she has these big, innocent brown eyes, kind of a olive complexion to her skin. And there's a moment of realization as you're looking through the rearview mirror, like you're shocked seeing someone in the back seat that you realize it is the 16-year-old version of Cynthia that you saw in those cruel memories of hers. And there's a moment where you feel an instinctual fear, but then you see this warmness come across her face that you hadn't ever seen from her except for 
when you both were in love, before she was forced to bring you over, before the horrible things that happened to her and the Chantry in the summer of 1945. And she smiles at you. And there's this moment where she smiles at you that you feel like in your soul comfort. And when I say in your soul, I know it's nothing that it's nothing that we can physically feel, but it's almost that sense of comfort you get after a deep breath when it's needed, like a sense of calmness, like everything for that moment that your lungs were able to fully expand and get that oxygen to share through your bloodstream. That's what you feel at that moment. And then you look forward again and you look back in the rearview mirror and she's gone. And there's a moment where you start thinking about it and then all of a sudden the phone rings loudly, your cell phone as that's in the passenger seat and you see it brighten up and illuminates the inside of your car. Go ahead, scenes on you. When the phone rings, Warren's going to end up swerving the car because it startles him. So he'll a little bit on the road. He'll reach over to it, fumble for a second because his hands are still shaking to some extent. He'll answer it in one hand on the wheel, one hand holding it next to his head. Yes. Warren? The zoo? Yeah. Listen, I know we ain't talk that much, but you you know that uh you've been uh t- you've been uh, exiled kind of I'm well aware you want to get un- unexiled I just want to leave and go where anywhere but here can't say I haven't thought about that but if I did that then that means the ones who've been joking uh, us around win I don't want them no to no she didn't she who, who she who's didn't she win. Okay. Well, okay. Warren, if you want to stay, there's a place you can go to meet up. Meet up. Chris, how far off is Dawn? Oh, you still got a good amount away. This all happened when you first awoke and drew in your check, so you got like a good eight hours. Okay. Kaitao, how far can I drive in eight hours? What's I don't know. City? I don't know. Do you think I could get to Wisconsin? Are you uh, capable? If Did something is. happen? Oh yes. Uh huh. Okay. If are you just <sighs> well? If you really want to leave, I ain't gonna stop you. <sighs> but no, nope. just try to find some place before the sun comes up. Trust me. Hearing, seeing the sky turn that bright, it's, it's not it's not a good sight anymore. Don't want to have to go through that again. I have to go. And Warren mm-hmm. will hang up, and then he'll pull the car to the side of the road and stop for a minute thinking. What are you thinking about? It's slowly dawning on him that even if he does leave, he really has nowhere. He has nothing anywhere else. Everything he's ever known in one way or another has been in the Twin Cities, for better or for worse. And as much as he'd like to escape his past and everything that it consists of, he also doesn't want to cast himself into an unknown void. And let's let's even dissect a little bit what you saw when you diablerized Cynthia. You saw who was responsible for that, right? Who was kind of responsible for the pain. I mean, who you saw what happened to her back in the 40s, right? Before she was embraced. Yes. Yes. And you saw that man who did that. And 
I don't want to say because I'm not I'm not gonna tell you how your character feels, but I would definitely say that's when the first seeds of I guess toxicity and pain were planted in Cynthia, right? She had horrible things done to her. She fled. That scarred her so much to where her and Jenna, and you don't know the reasoning behind why Jenna chose to go along, wanted to ensure his downfall in the city by having you convince everyone that he was responsible for the deaths of Ophelia and Jonathan, right? So that's one thing that's still in that city. I don't know how Warren would interpret that. It's up to you. But it is there, you know? Warren's going to have himself a good cry for about 10, 15 minutes, cleaning up the the blood with whatever napkins or tissues he had in the glove box, if any. There's a moment when you reach out your hand to open the glove box, you see a hand come over yours, and you can feel... <laughs> He'll jump. And you look and you see her again, and you see the young version of her, and she's sitting in the passenger seat, and she has your right hand and her right hand and she reaches out with her left and she slowly tries to like push away your blood tears that are coming down and she's just looking at you what what is this there's a moment that goes by while she's silently looking at you and she's like we are together Warren what what do you mean forever together we are one part of me is in you now you chose to take me inside you I don't I don't think I really chose. When you didn't stop, that is what happened. It is why something is taboo. Don't don't be afraid, Warren. I'm sorry for what I did, for everything I did to you. That wasn't me. That was the pain and the beast and the toxicity. And I see that you're just like how I was. And I made you like that way. I'm sorry. What you see now is how I want to be seen. This is who I am. This is who you fell in love with. I just want to be free again. Warren's going to rub his eyes with both with his palms. No, no. This can't be real. You're not really here. I am here. And I'll always be here with you. I'm not going to hurt you. I just want you to forgive me. Warren, I want you to stop them. No, No, I need you to go. Go. I need you to go away. Warren, he's going to do it again to someone else. He's done worse things. I wanted to stop him, and I got lost in my anger. I became blinded. You got to stop him, Warren. You got to stop becoming what you're becoming. Do you love me? And with that, Warren goes into anger frenzy. You come to, and you're just looking around at this car, and you see like the windshield, and the and the the, the windshield's cracked from when you were like punching it, and you see like you'd ripped the interior of the seats, and you're looking around, and you just see like nothing but yourself there. You see like the plastic enamel of the of the dashboard of your car is just like been cracked just from you pounding on it with your fists, and now you come to, and you look, and you just see that you're surrounded by like. You almost like ripped the steering wheel off, but you didn't quite do it, you know, but you definitely like were causing damage to this car and you look around and you realize that you had just lost yourself at that moment and you're by yourself again. She's not around. What time is it? It's about 8 p.m. It's been about like, I'd say about 10 minutes that you're freaking out. Is the phone still in one piece? It's on, conveniently enough, it's on the floorboard of your car. You're able to move some of the 
the upholstery of the seats that you had ripped off that covered it up. You find it underneath there. Warren will pick it up and he'll give Kaitawa a call. How you were just sitting there pondering what you were gonna what you were gonna say or the situation that you had. It's been about ten minutes and your phone rings again. Hello? Where are you? Changed your mind? Where are you? I give him the address of the Native American Museum. Thank you. Warren hangs up and heads that way. Freaky guy. Freaky guy. I don't say that under his breath. All right, so you knocked that one down. You got one more call to make. He'll try to see if he can remember what Valentine's number was. He'll give him a call. So, Valentine, you've been in the sewer looking over the news stories of the riot that had occurred, and your phone vibrates, and you see Katow's number come up. Hello? Hey. You still alive? Ish? Well, I don't know if you could say that, but I'm, I'm around. All right. What's I'm going on? Well, I don't know what caused it exactly, but me and the others, we sort of, and you, sort of got exiled. What, what, do, you, what do you mean? I mean, it means that what the uh, other vampires in the, in the city should do is that turn us away at every step. It pushes out until either A, we die from the sun, or else B, we, they, we give them the excuse to kill us. Uh, kind of used to that. And to interject, out of character, you remember too, Valentine, when you were talking to Ogden, he had told you that the actions that happened there, he caught wind, was going to make your life and your friends' lives very difficult from because someone's yeah, been watching you. Know. Right. So this is fallout from what happened in the projects? or it pro- probably, probably was a factor in it. Hmm. I probably didn't help the situation, did I? As making sure kind of look over, make sure he's like off by himself. It's like, no, what you did didn't help at all. I heard uh, you. It is what it is. Where are you guys? Before I tell you, I want to get something straight between you and me. You lose control like that again, there's going to be consequences. Do you understand? <laughs> I hang up my phone. Okay, then I haven't told you yet. Kind of look at his phone. It's like, jerk. I'll wait a bit before I give him the call again. You see your phone ringing again? Yeah, this is Valentine. You're going to hang up on me again like a child, or are you going to listen to what I have to say? Speak. What I said still stands. But if you want to help us get unexiled, there's a place you can come meet us. Okay. What's that? So are you in? Yeah, I'll meet you. Good. And remember what I said. There will be consequences. Mm-hmm. You say, what? Where, where are we meeting? Uh, yeah, the Native American Museum. Okay, well, you text me the address, so I'll figure a way to get there. Do that. Valentine, you hang up the phone, and you're alone in the sewer right now. What are you doing? Okay, I'm going to... As soon as I've stopped talking to Kaitao, I want to give Donald a call just to ch- see if he answers. You dial and it goes straight to voice message and you just hear this gruff voice. Leave a message. Donnie, where are you, man? Haven't heard from you in a while. Might need your help soon. Get hold of me when you can. I'll hang up. Shake my head to myself like... So I guess, have have I received the address to this place yet? Yeah, he sent it to you in text message. Okay, I want to... I'll stay in the sewers for now. I want to figure out, you know, I might use the phone to bring up a map of the sewers if I can to figure out a way to get as close to this place as I can without 
you can't really find too much you know what i mean like yeah, sewer maps sure. but you know it's about like 20 minutes away by drive by drive okay yeah. i'll emerge from the sewers but i'll try and do it you know quite far away from where i ended up in them you're inside the sewer and you're walking on this like the sewer the t- the tunnel's round right while you're walking mm-hmm. through and on the sides there's like these flat concrete walkways and if you look down like you're on the left side and you look down to your right you see like about three foot drop down like sewer water that is kind of going down now it's not super deep but you can kind of like hear it trickle down especially from the rains that happened a couple days ago when you guys got a lot of rain there in the twin cities you can kind of smell like the 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 fume the weird algae fume, I guess, smell the smell of debris that's kind of been like sitting down there and just rotting and getting moldy and mildewish. And you're walking along and it's hardly lit. It's kind of very dark. Actually, you're dragging your hands along the side to make sure that you can feel the direction you're going, but you see about every 50 yards, like a lip, like a drainage lip that, and Mm -hmm. that is what you came down from. And you are able to like, jump up and grab with your with your hands the lip and kind of squeeze your body through there like you did when you went out as you're squeezing through there you feel kind of like your clothes are dragging along the cement kind of like getting caught up a little bit you feel your shirt like starting to come up and you feel like your flesh coming along it as you're able to squeeze your way out of it and you look and you are on the south edge of the projects you're past the basketball court you're actually coming out in the parking lot of the gas station that you had gone where you first ran into ogden where like the, the alley was at you're coming out along there and you look and you, it, when you get out it's this weird sense of tranquility like you stop and you look around and you're like this very small minute figure and these looming towers like the shadows of the towers you actually look up and you kind of see like the moon is full you see some clouds like going over the moon and you can feel like the spring air coming through, but you don't hear the sounds that you heard when you snuck up on there. You know, you don't hear music. You don't hear people barbecuing or people trying to like sell drugs or just people having fun. I mean, you occasionally see one figure walking by or two, but it's oddly quiet. And you're like, you you're, you notice it, but you look at these people and you see someone kind of walk out the corner, like in between two buildings and he's walking along. They seem calm. They seem like they are almost in a way full of melancholy a little bit. Like they're a little bit sad in a way. There's this, you feel in tuned now more than ever than when you came in to these towers, to like this neighborhood, like your feet walking along the crunchy blacktop. You feel like you belong. You feel almost at ease a little bit here. Okay. I want to use my mask of a thousand faces to blend in as well. So I guess I'll make myself look like a teenager. It is. Manipulation plus performance difficulty seven. And success. So you're trying to make yourself kind of look like a similar youth that you looked like before? Uh, Well, maybe not because I made myself look like the dead child before, right? The one uh, I killed yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. But just, I know you make, <laughs> yeah, just yeah. make yourself look like someone who fit in the projects, like a young African-American youth kind of thing? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, you you... You, you have no reason to believe that it did not work. Okay. And like you said, I'm feeling at ease of feeling like I belong. So I'm going to walk with a certain swagger as I make my way towards, you know, I'll start heading in the direction of the meeting point. 
Okay, now t- take you, yeah, until are you looking for a ride or are you just going to try walking? Or I'm going to try and clear the projects first and then I'll hail okay. a taxi. So you are walking past the projects. You slowly start making it to like where it's more like brownstone homes at the time. And you're like slowly walking past there and you see like a couple yellow cabs that have driven by. Are you trying to stop one of them? Yeah, I'll, I'll flag a cab down. You see this cab driver come along. He's kind of like this overweight white guy. He has like one of those plaid hunter hats on that are kind of like crumpled up and everything. And he like pulls over. He's like, where are you heading to, kid? I'll um, tell him the address, the Native American Museum. He's like, all right, fine, wherever. He's like, get in. I'll get in. But just drive the taxi, man. And he just goes in. He kind of turns up some country western for a little bit. And he drives you there. So. We will cut to, we'll say, William, you get there first. You pull along, William, into the parking lot. And you see Katal standing by his car. You see a pickup truck and another car that's in the parking lot. But you don't see anyone that, that is with Katal. But then when you pull in your car, you see this one figure come walking up to Katal. And you recognize him. You're like, that's Ty. That's the sheriff who supposedly bailed. And then you see a female figure get into the other car and she drives off. So now it's just the pickup truck and Katal's car. Katal, you, you're standing there when you see William's Beamer come pulling in and you hear Ty come walking up to you. He's like, so you called the cavalry? Yep. So calling him the cavalry will be answer to the cavalry. <laughs> and he like he just kind of snickers. And then William, you pull up. Go ahead. Scenes on us, I guess. William, you made it. Barely, but I did. And you look like shit. Uh, you're one to talk. <laughs> <laughs> see? This guy's got a sense of humor, huh? And he like motions to you, Cattell. Yeah, that's one of his better aspects. You really guys, man, you really fucking set some alarms off, man, if they're going after you guys like this. We're really going to have to fucking talk after we pick up a couple of people, you understand? You you guys seriously owe some explanations on what the fuck is going on. Well, there's a long, complicated story behind that, and I don't know how much of it is relevant. I'm we sure. don't owe anybody anything. I like that. I understand where you're coming from. And when he says that, you see his Oldsmobile come pulling into the parking lot. And that is you, Warren, as you're driving in, you see three figures that are sit, standing out there talking. Do you recognize Katal and William? And this third figure, you know, is Ty the Sheriff, but you haven't really interacted with that much. But you know that Tree has worked him in the past, and, and that's how you recognize. So go ahead, scenes on you guys. Oh, he's your, uh, yeah, I've voted Warren's here too. Uh, Try talking to him. I don't, I don't know how to talk to this guy. Say this, I'll, is William. Yeah, I'll talk to him. Warren's just in his car for a minute after he pulls up. Yeah, William will slowly sort of walk up to him. You know, knock on his window. A moment will go by, and Warren will turn. There's still smears of blood on his face from where he was crying, and it'll take a second for his eyes to sort of focus in on William, and then he will roll oh. the window down. Holy shit, did you kill someone? And then he'll roll the window up. I'll give you a minute, buddy. And uh, William will sort of tap the glass and walk away. You see Ty sitting there. He's like, get your shit together. I'll be my fucking truck when you're ready, okay, man? And he looks at Yucatel and he goes and turns around and walks over to his truck. As he says that, you see a cab come pulling in. You see the scene I set before you valentine this cab pulls up you see the cab driver's like looking at the like the three car or four cars in there looking at the figures looks at you he's like that's that's gonna be 12 bucks there buddy like someone pay the man 
I lost my cash in the sewer. You see, yeah, you see a young African American youth get out. I'll and he says that give him you. fifteen bucks. Thanks, man. Thanks, and he just kind of like drives off. Have a good evening. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. And you see, like, you guys are four, well, three standing there, and you see a figure in the car, Valentine, who you kind of recognize. Actually, has Valentine met Warren? I don't think Valentine has met Warren before. But you see a fig, you see a figure in the car that's kind of like just sitting there, just looking distant. Uh, scenes on you guys. Go ahead. What's his deal? After the cab pulls away, Warren will pop the door and slowly get out. I'll just kind of stare at Warren like, who's this fella? Warren, meet Valentine. Valentine, meet Warren. Is there anyone else around like that can see us right now? Or? You just see a figure sitting in a truck. He's staring at you guys. But then you hear the creaking of the old pickup truck door opening up and you hear it close. And you see his figure walking up. And for those of you who may not know, Ty, he's like wearing like jeans with engineer boots on right now. He has like a Cambry shirt that he has buttoned up and tucked in. The top couple buttons undone. Sleeves kind of rolled up. Has some like cheap tattoos on his forearm. Has like a handlebar mustache with like gray whiskers that are growing where the handlebar mustache isn't. Kind of balding head. Looks to be maybe like 160, 165, about 5'10". He's not like a super imposing figure at all. You know, just kind of looks like life has and the road has kind of like beat him up a little bit. You know, like he didn't really take care of himself too much before he was brought over. And you see him walking towards, you know, Warren, everyone except for Valentine knows that this guy is the sheriff of what was the former sheriff of the Twin Cities. And he looks at you for and he's like, God damn, you guys look like a fucking hot mess. Seriously. Yeah, sorry about the smell. Are you that kid that Face was telling me about? You're the new one, right? The visitor? Not a kid. Excuse me. Sorry, what would you prefer to be called? Sir to you. Thank you. He just like shakes his head. He's like, fuck. Listen, like, I, I, I wanted him to get you all together here because you guys need to survive. They're after you, man. You understand? Like, they're not going to stop till they find you guys. This isn't like a, you can ignore it. They'll go away. He's like, y'all fucking that shit that whatever happened, that fucking projects that you guys did, fucking whatever. It's an excuse for them to get rid of you. I hate to say that. I'm sorry. But here's a couple things I do know. I do know that you guys are trying to find the couple, Carlos and Cindy. Am I right in that? Mm-hmm. Okay. And I do know that you're trying to find out what happened to Ophelia and Jonathan. Am I right about that? That's when I'll kind of brick up a bit, start listening a bit more attentively. So. I want to explain it all. I want to get it all on the table and I want to start fixing what's fucked up. But before we can do that, we need to go ahead and get the couple. I already set up a meeting with Carlos. We're going to go pick up his old lady and then we're going to figure this all out with the help of a couple other people. Okay. And then hopefully we'll clear your names. Things will go back to normal and be how they should be. Are you guys all fine with that? Whatever. Sounds good to me. It's a deal. All right. I don't want to take all these fucking cars. So can you guys like all ride in the same fucking car or some shit so we don't look so we can look a little inconspicuous? You can do that. Probably best that I don't drive anyways. Mm, yeah. And he just kind of like looks you up and down. You look like a hot mess, buddy. Katow, you hear me? Yeah. I, just take the same car, okay? I, I want to keep you guys fucking together. I don't want you guys fucking running all about. This shit's a delicate shit right now. It's a delicate thread i'm weaving right now if we're all in the same car and someone decides to take us out it's going to make their job a lot easier if you haven't figured out buddy that if they want it that's not how they work or you guys would probably be all fucking gone right now and there's one person who that's probably happening to right now i'm trying to stop that 
But if they wanted to go hit you all at the same time, they would have done that by now. You got to fucking trust me. Are you trusting me or not? You can take two cars. I don't give a shit. I'm just trying to tell you. I'm giving you my fucking advice. All right. You want to ride with me? All right. All right, then. We'll take... You can come along with me. Yeah, yeah. All right. I've got a booster seat, though, so... Fuck you, man. (laughs) He's like, you got to work on that thick skin, buddy. It'll be all right, little fella. And he like goes and he opens the door. He's like, come on. Climb in. Are you riding with William and Katow, Warren? Yes. Okay. He takes off, starts his vehicle, and he like kind of goes where he parks, like kind of by you. Katow rolls down the window. He's like, follow me. We're going down to the south side of town to a diner called Jody's, all right? All right. All right. And he like goes ahead and he takes off. You guys start following. We'll go ahead and say, we'll see. We'll say go ahead scenes on you three riding katow's car go ahead scenes on you guys does anyone have baby wipes i'm sure mm. they're in the glove depart- oh, compartment i sort of hand them to him thank you and warren will start wiping his face you mind sharing the story behind it i just my face yes i do mind oh well shit happens indeed fucking does so how was yesterday for you, Katow? Uh, almost got to see the heard bird song for the first time in years. Saw a bit of color in the sky other than black. Aside from the uh aside from that, wasn't well, it wasn't great. It wasn't great. Nice. Managed to fuck up uh yesterday a bit. That was fun. What happened to you? Uh, you'd probably think I'm crazy. Well, I already thought that, so why not just tell me? Ouch. But yeah, long story short, I managed to starve myself long enough to kill one of my herd. I just look at me that he just so he just missed that out loud. Yeah, the Back casualness up. of the way he said that, the casualness is just off-putting. I would assume to you, Katal, though like, he says it just in passing because your humanity is like a six right now, right? I think it's a five. It's a five? Okay. That's low-ish. It's starting to get there. Four would be okay with it completely. I know. It's, five. Uh, yeah, it's like, I just kind of just want to look at William. It's like, uh, all right. Did you clean up? It's dealt with. I see. At that point, Kaito just sort of like, I don't really. I don't keep good. I don't keep good company, do I? I don't think any of us can keep good company, Katow. Ain't that the truth? And I'll just just sort of like let it lie at that. <laughs> we all just sort of lost our own little worlds. Yeah, we're all a bunch of killers. So you guys are following the pickup truck of Ty. Ty, while he's driving, he looks down at you. And he's like, listen, I didn't mean anything by ribbing you back there, okay? Ah, don't worry about it. I've had a rough couple of nights. What What's going on with you, man? I don't know. I just... This whole Excel thing, it's like, it doesn't really bother me because that's how I've been operating anyway, but I'm just getting fed up having to, having to do everyone's bidding right now. I just want to find out what happened to my friend. And my eyes have been opened a little bit. To a few things. Uh, I'm starting to see how this city works, and I don't know if I want to stay, to be honest. What do you mean? You, you see how the city works? Enlighten me. 
I've had an interesting conversation. Uh, don't don't quite think the power structures in place here are as solid as people would like to make them out to be. Wow, and you've already found figured that out, huh? Plus, like this couple that everyone's looking for, I don't, I don't see what the big deal is. Why should I care about that? I don't know. I honestly don't. Listen, there's a couple forces in the city who want them. They're not bad people. You're going to meet them. They're good people, I think. Carlos is good. His old lady's a little whiny, but she has something, man. That bitch can, like, fucking read tea leaves or some shit. Yeah, I've met, I've met someone like that before. And she calls her shit, man. She calls her shots, dude, and she's been fucking spot on. Well, this could be interesting, I guess. Listen, kid, that 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 Ophelia bitch that you were trying to that you're trying to don't don't call her a bitch, okay? Okay, this lady. Mm-hmm. You, you be careful tugging to that string, man. She, she's one of the few people that actually cared about me. I'm, and I and, read until the whole thing comes unstitched. And hey, and I'm fucking here, and I understand. All I'm saying is, you're gonna find that. I think I have an opinion that there that 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 is a sign of a fucking cancer that is in the city. I was telling I was telling Katow I feel it's time for regime change, man. Oh, you want to get rid of that guy? You talking about the prince? Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm you, interested. You think it's funny, or you don't think I can do that? No, I think. Uh, I mean, I I can't but, stand the guy. I'm, that's I'm, good. I'm helping you know, him out, but. <laughs> Listen, kid, you want to know why I wanted you to ride with me? Why is that? Because I smell great? I don't give a fuck how you smell, man. I deal with face. He's, I don't give a shit. Listen, those three, while they have good intentions, they still have a their, their perspective is bent of what's going on. You have an outsider's view. Right. And you're already seeing things, right? Mm-hmm. What do you think is wrong with this city? In the core of it. In the core of it, what do you think is wrong? <sighs> Jeez. I think it's corrupt i think it's everyone's saying they're working for the greater good or to uphold whatever bullshit rules they have but really it's it's self-serving i think there's i think it's self-serving but it's also that that self self-centeredness is being manipulated by something else let me tell you something let me tell you something we're all self-serving we're all fucking assholes we're all monsters that's who we are you, me, those three in that fucking car, everyone involved in what we do. You understand that? I'm not denying that. Okay. Well, get get comfortable with that fact. Get comfortable with that fact. None of us are fucking heroes. None of us are good fucking people. We're not. No. Here's the thing. We could be worse. We could be a lot worse. We could sit here and we could try to live amongst these people like we belong. And maybe we fucking do. And maybe it is possible. And it is. But we could be worse. And I don't want to fucking die. I don't want this to be the end end. Do you understand? I understand. So don't make moral judgments on whether or not someone's a bad, good monster. Because you are too. You need to look at it like this. You want to exist. You want to survive. You want to be able to do what you want to do. You want freedom. Then that is why you want the regime change. These people put themselves in positions of power by promising a protective shield around us to be able to exist. We have rules to prevent the masses. And as you guys are starting to get downtown motions outside of people walking by from finding out about us, because there's more than them 
than there are as us. I'm going to tell you a hard truth, kid, and you're not going to like to hear this. And I apologize because it's going to sting a little bit, all right? Your friend Ophelia, she was a monster too. She was. Did I witness it? No. Do I need to witness to know that? No, I do not. It is that thing that is in us. It is that thing, kid, when you are hungry that wants you to feed. It is that thing in you that when you get angry, it makes you want to act. This is that voice in the back of your head that raises the hair on the back of your neck and tells you to act and you can't control it. Have you ever dealt that dance before? Have you danced with it? Just think back to the night before and I look at him and I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm familiar with that. Okay. For us to be able to survive, if you want to, you got to learn how to control that. And for you to be able to control that and have the room to control that, you need good leadership to ensure that you are safe, to ensure that you are left alone, and to ensure that no one bothers you. I like to be with that. Yes. I need your help, kid. Like I need your help. help. Listen, do you want to help? Because I can offer you something. And you can say everyone wants to offer something. That's what we do. Do you want to get do you want to get back because she's dead? You want to find out what happened? That's all I want to find out. Okay. I'll tell you something. And I didn't know her well, but I could tell you what. I'm pretty sure she wouldn't want things how they are now. You knew her better than I. Two of those cats in that car behind us, and he motions to the rearview mirror, they knew her a lot better than you or I. And they can attest to what she felt or what she didn't feel. But we need to do this, you understand? And I need to be able to count on you. Can I count on you? You can count on me as far as it gets me to gets me to the truth. And that's why I want to talk to you, because I feel like you're brutally honest, which I prefer. Just remember this, kid. We're all monsters. I've known that for a long time. What do you need me to do? For now, we'll figure it out. Once we pick up these two, then we'll talk, okay? As a group. Let me tell you something. Yeah. I trust you because you've been straight with me. You're a bit of an asshole, but so is everybody I've been working with lately. Just, just help me find out what happens and I'll do what needs to be done because... That's all I fucking care about now. For sure. And I will. And you see, as he says that, you see he's kind of like pulling over to the side of the road, like doing the side parking as you guys are in front of this diner. You see that in the front of it, it says Jody's. Like there's that diner window that's out front, you know, where you can see people that are eating inside. And you see on top, there's this red neon light that says Jody's. And you see like he pulls over and he turns off the truck and he rolls down like it's one of those hand rolled down windows. Valentine, you see Ty pull out his phone and he calls someone on it and he puts it towards his ear. Katal, you hear your phone ring. Yeah. Hey, he just wants to talk to you. He doesn't want us all in there. He's insistent that you're the only one that goes talks to him. He's in there. He's in the diner, okay? All right. All right. I'll turn to the others like, wait here. I'm, I'm, they want to talk to you. Talk to me alone. Call me in 10 minutes or we're going in. All right. Let, I'll do that. And I'm like, Katal, hang out the phone and get out of the car. You get out of the car and you walk up to this glass like down a door and you open it and you hear the bell ring and you see like a waitress. She'll look up. She's like kind of sitting behind the counter, like smoking a cigarette, reading a newspaper. And she looks up and you look around and you don't see too many people in there, but you're looking and you see in a corner booth, you see this man who looks, he's probably Hispanic. He kind of has like, he has hair that goes down back behind his ears toward the lower part of his neck. He has like a blue baseball cap on that's just like propped up. It's a twins cap. And you see he looks up at you and you recognize it's Carlos. And you see him just kind of like he for a second he stops and you see like a smile crack his lips. 
And then he just kind of like motions you back towards him. I go over and sit down by him. Sorry about the phone call a few days ago. Well, let's just say you added to a. I'm not going to. You added to a list of shit that just kept piling on my plate. You're telling me? Uh, I'd tell someone. Yeah, right. I guess spending time in a bunker together builds bonds. No, no, no. How about saving someone from some fucking cults, machinations, in another basement that builds a bond, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess. That that call, man, they almost got... I, I don't know where to start. Let me start from the beginning. Fucking woke up. <laughs> no chase. Opened up the fucking weird bomb shelter that guy has. Goes upstairs. There's no chase. His fucking house was trash. We're scared shitless. We run off. Fucking next thing I know, I start realizing that there's people fucking following us. We get shot at like a fucking gangland drive-by shooting. Barely make it out alive. That guy out there, and you see him motion towards Ty's truck, swoops in and saves us. Now, Cindy has been just talking about left and right having to get the gang together. Just kind of getting distant, man. She's wor- I'm worried about her a little bit, but she told me that this has to happen. So here we are. Yeah, here we are. Listen. I know two of you. I know. I think think something bad happened to Jonathan and Ty. Told me that Ophelia's dust, which really yeah. pisses me off. Because without her, I, I, I want to be probably alive now, man. Yep. So I think it's on us to do this right. Got that right. So now that you met me, what you want to do? I want to go pick up Cindy. I want to get the fuck out of the house we've been staying at. Ty says he has a safe house. Ty says he has a couple of favors calling. People can help us out. I want to get back. I want to get back at these motherfuckers. I don't want to run anymore. Get in the line. So, let's go. Tell Ty to follow me. You have your buddies follow me. We'll go pick up Cynthia. Then we'll get going, all right? Got it. All right. And he gets up and he like stops for a moment. And he looks at you and he extends his hand. He's like, I want to thank you, man. For what? Just everything you've done. You know what you did. Okay. All right. He hey. takes his hand, shakes it. And he like turns around and he walks out. You guys see this figure walking out. You see Katal coming out behind him. You see Valentine, this figure, walk around the front of the truck and he goes to Ty's window and he taps on it or taps on it. Ty rolls down the window and he's like, Yeah, we're good. And he's like, Yeah, follow me. We're going in the house. And he's like, All right. And then you just see like Ty drive off. William, are you I take it you're following him, William? Yes, I am. All right. So you guys drive off. You guys drive for about like 10 minutes. You leave like the south side of Minneapolis, which is like ran down. You know, it's kind of like this is the the kind of the white trash side of Minneapolis. You see like that the it's not it's definitely not middle class. You see like the, the Jody's Diner is kind of in the middle of it. This is where usually like kind of like junkies and street walkers are kind of walking by. You guys start leaving the area and you go into like this quieter, like poor ran down white neighborhood that's around there. This is actually kind of the area that you're at that you have been staying at Valentine and the Twin Cities. And you're not in the same neighborhood, but kind of like the same area. And slowly you guys start making your way towards this neighborhood where there's like these thick oak trees that are growing on the left and the right. And there's like these houses that are look like they're about like 1500 square foot homes that were built like in the 50s. You see like sidewalks that are along there where like the the different segments of the sidewalks are risen up a little bit. And eventually you see where Carlos pulls into the driveway of a brick house that has been there's a single layer brick house. 
you see it has like a front door and it has a couple too large windows and you see that there's a couple looks like bedroom windows that are there and you see in the picture window towards the living room that there is like a warm light that's coming from within it you see the front yard it looks like it's dying grass that is there and ty pulls along the side and he gets out and he's like time to get out kid all right i'll jump down to the ground and then he walks over behind to william's car and he taps on the window william yeah i roll it down he's like hey you two she wants to go talk to you and then he looks at you warns like you can stay out here with me we need to have a talk Okay. Okay, then. All right. You three, Valentine, Katow, and William, walk with Carlos as he walks up to the front door. You see him pull out some keys, and he unlocks the front door, and he opens it up. And you see that there's like a hallway that's in front of you, like a little hallway that goes about like 15 feet. And you kind of get the sense from the light that the living room is like, once you go in the, down the hallway and you make a right, there's a living room. And he walks in. Are you three following him? Yeah, I'll go on last. I'll wait for the others. Okay. Mm-hmm. Definitely. You guys walk in and you hear the screen door close behind you. Ty is standing out in the driveway. You're standing like between him and like the front door, kind of in the grass worn. And he's leaning against Carlos's car that was parked there. He's leaning like against the passenger side of the car. And he looks at you, Warren, and he's like, something you need to tell me? No. And he just looks you up once, once or twice and he's like, you seem kind of befuddled, buddy. It's been a eventful couple of days. Yes, it has. Listen, I need to know, are you reliable? Warren will look at him, and he'll put that Courage 5 edge into his gaze. I can do what needs to be done. I'm just processing something right now. I can respect that, but I need to know one thing. Listen, I'm not going to fucking pry, but... I've talked to Tree quite a bit, man. He's a buddy of mine. He's told me about you. And I know you wouldn't be here if Cynthia didn't know. Warren will do his best to not react to the mention of her name, but he'll probably shift a little. He looks at you. Cynthia sold my services to these gentlemen. This isn't a selling of services kind of thing, buddy. I don't have a choice, and failure is not an option. I'm not the sheriff anymore, okay? Let's get that on the table, right? It's not my fucking job to make sure these fucking laws or whatever pass. You're hiding something. Answer me this. And we'll just leave it out like this, okay? Cynthia's not going to be giving you orders anytime soon, is she? Give me a perception alertness roll. Difficulty six, please. Two successes. There's a moment when he says that, and you're like kind of a little taken aback for a second, right? And you are processing. Because this has all been like a fu- one hell of a day, right? You're sitting here, you're trying to process all this. And you see behind them the other house, right? And you see that there's like these kind of like tall bushes that are going along the yard, like kind of like separating the yard. And there's a moment where you're looking around and you're like, what the fuck? And you stop for a second and you see a silhouette. And when you're looking, you see that it looks like it's a a lady, like in a nun's robe. The The light from the, driveway light and then the house next door kind of illuminates her a little bit like you can make out her face you see she's caucasian and she's looking directly at you and you're 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 kind of taken aback for a second and then you see like she smiles 
and you see these black shark-like teeth instead of white normal teeth while she smiles at you. And you see the front of her nun's robes slowly start to open up. And you see in the center where her lower torso would be, it almost looks like a moving body nest of black snakes that are circling and motioning. And she's just sitting there smiling at you like she knows you see her. Go ahead. Scene's on you. Warren is going to activate heightened senses, and he's going to aura perceive her. I got two successes on the roll. You see a pale aura, and you see light blue. Anything else you're doing? After he, you know, stares at her to use aura perception, he'll turn back to the former sheriff. Cynthia's always going to be around for me. And when you go to speak that, you feel the, uh, the words being pushed out, but nothing is coming out. And you see like a second, like Ty looks at you confused. And at the moment he's looking at you confused, you look back at the figure real quick and you see she's looking at you. And this time you start feeling like a fear start consuming you from within because you see her. She's almost seems to be part of her is growing. Like she's growing a little taller and you see that like her eyes have turned completely pitch black and you see that her face the shadows of her face are starting to take over the part of her skin that was exposed. And you're looking and then all of a sudden you see that from her stomach while you looked at him and said something and look back, you see these snake-like tendrils are going towards the ground at a rapid rate or like making the way underneath the car. What are you doing? So does my Sabat survivor merit come into play right now? What does that merit do? It's, I've, I've survived a Sabbat assault. I get a negative one difficulty on perception rolls regarding the Sabbat. Like, I know their ambush tactics. I know yeah. how to spot their powers. You can roll a perception alertness roll difficulty six. Or perception and occult difficulty six. Three successes. You recognize that this is starting to stir up memories of, of what happened in the past. And at the moment, as you're feeling this, you look at her again and you see, it seems like almost like she's gotten taller. Like the shadows around now are like coming into her. And you see that moment that you're like, what the fuck? And you see from her chest where these tendrils are coming out, you see a silhouette of a shadowed face. It looks like a, almost like a, a, a two horns that are coming out and you see it has like a wide grin and it's almost like it's these shadows are combining, making her grow, making this face come out as these tendrils are making their way under. I need you to roll me a courage roll. Difficulty eight, please. Two successes. Hooray Two successes. for five courage. Yeah. There's a moment where you're like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. And you you see, like, it just seems like the shadows are coming more from, like, the side of the house, the bush. They're almost like a tie that is being pulled into her. And then in return, these tendrils are coming out even quicker. And there's a moment where, like, Ty's looking at you confused because he looks at you looking and the one those tendrils come under the car and grabs th- his legs and just, like, starts yanking. And you just hear his legs snap. And he's like, ah, and he screams for a second. He's, like, looking up at you. And you see, like, blood is shooting out of his mouth. And he reaches his hand out at you for a moment. And there's a moment where you see his hand coming out. And he's looking at you afraid. And everything turns black. So you three are following Carlos as you walk in. The screen door closes behind you guys. And as he's walking in, Valentine, you hear a voice coming from y'all hear the voice coming from the living room and it's like valentine 
Valentine. 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 And you guys walk and you turn to the right in the room and you see a figure standing there. You recognize the figure, Valentine. Could tell you recognize the figure. William, you do not. But you see this man. He has a black mustache and he has like these thick horn-rimmed glasses and a balding head with black hair on the sides. And he has like these plastic like suit on, almost like a suit that a janitor would wear when working with chemicals. And he looks down at you and you recognize this is the figure of Donald. And you see he has this knife in his hand and you like, what the fuck? And you look and you see to the bottom of two feet, almost like he's standing in front of a body that's laying down at the foot of it. And you see like a puddle of blood behind him and he's like valentine you told me you told me that if i showed you well i have killed a god i told you i am a fucking god i have killed a god valentine now it's time to bring me over and as you are looking all three of you and you see this figure saying that he has blood splattered all over this like plastic suit that he's wearing you look you see as he moves as he's waving his arms around almost in this rabid like anger or this adoration that he's given valentine you see this figure kind of clutch, catch glimpse of it like almost like a blinker of uh, just coming across your vision you see like cindy and you kind of see her like you think you see her, her torso torn open and you see like a pool of blood that's like behind her and you see for a second you just hear this growling and Katal, you look to your left and you see Carlos's eyes. You could tell, oh shit, he's gonna get you know you've seen this before. You're like, oh fuck. And all of a sudden you see him leap and you see him just tackle this figure that is standing there with the knife. And you hear like this guttural growling as you just see him like gouging his eyes out and biting down on him. And you three are like for a second looking at this and you're like, what the fuck? What are you gonna do, Katal? Do I have to make any self-control rules for all the blood and everything or there's a moment while you're looking at all this blood and you feel your beast starting to turn up, then everything turns dark, black, all three of you. You can hear muffled sounds. You kind of try to see what is around you. It's almost like you're underwater, but at night, there's very little light that is illuminating. Give me a self-control roll, Katal. Difficulty four, please. Two successes. So you feel the beast climbing up. But there's a moment you focus. You got to focus. What are you doing, William? William's just straight up no idea what to do in this situation. Like he probably tries to cry out, just like see where everybody is. As you cry out, you hear your voice muffled and you two who are in there kind of can hear, but it sounds like a wheezing of an old man going through filters upon filters of sound, almost like you can hear it through a wall. And you try to move again, and you feel something slither along your foot and your leg, Valentine. And then all of a sudden, you hear this ripping sound. Sounds like fabric being ripped. And you see in front of you three, you get the shadows split. And you feel this cold wind that is starting to shoot through the shadows. And again, you can see some momentary light. And you don't know if the light is coming from the room. You don't even know if it's the room that you see. But then you just see three figures walking forward. All three are male. All three are wearing priest outfits. One looks to be a Native American with long black hair, but his skin looks grayish. Another looks to be an elderly Hispanic man, but his eyes are empty. His sockets of his eyes are gouged out. And then you see one figure slowly walking in between them. 
has very pale marble skin, and he has tattoos covering his face that are Nordic in nature, and he has blonde hair that is shaved on the sides, and he looks at you, and he's like, my name is Bishop Vidard, and I come with the prophets of the Pale Riders, and we have a message for Philip Brentwood. You tell him the Pale Riders are coming back for revenge and to wipe the city finally of its infernalistic corruption. <laughs> tell him they will be back. And then everything turns dark again, and that is the end of Dread. Oh, hello again, folks. I'd like to tell you about the Facebook group we run called White Wolf and Onyx Path RPGs Gameplay and Media. Have you ever wished you could have an easy way to find gameplay videos and podcasts or just media in general that deals with your favorite White Wolf role-playing games? Or have you ever wished you could find a forum to share gameplay that you have recorded? One that won't be drowned out by random posts and discussions so that your media could give the attention you deserve. The group is specifically run with the sole intent of being a one-stop shop for people to view or share media involving the games we all love. We take thorough steps to ensure the page does not become cluttered and is easy to traverse. The group is already immense and continuing to rapidly grow, with new media being shared every day. Stop on by. We hope to see you there.